Hey, it's Grant. Before the show starts today, I want to tell you about Hangover Destroyer. Hangover Destroyer is the only all-natural product medically proven to prevent a hangover. If you like to drink at night and be able to think in the morning, one shot of Hangover Destroyer lets you have all the fun and no side effects. Go to Hangover Destroyer's website, that's hdestroyer.com, write happy hour in the coupon code, and get 30% off your order of Hangover Destroyer and seize the dawn. Happy Hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy Hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's NewOrleans.com, brought to us today in part by Petite Pet Care, which, by the way, is French if you're keeping up with foreign languages. If you're going out of town or you have a schedule that keeps you away from home, the folks at Petite Pet Care understand that some pets are fine going to a kennel or doggy daycare center if they're a dog, but others prefer the comfort of their own home. For loving care when you are not there, pet... Oh, I have to say that again. Petite Pet Care. Petite Pet Care. Find them at PetitePetCare.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limo or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you because that's New Orleans and this is Happy Hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common. Other than we're all New Orleans in a bar, in this case we're at Wayfair on Ferret Street. And if you'd like to know a little bit about Wayfair, it's a restaurant and a bar that serves handcrafted food and spirits, where Chef Kevin White puts fine dining into a sandwich. And that is not just some sort of bullshit slogan, that really is true. Chef Kevin White was a chef in New York with Mario Batali, of all people, moved down here to New Orleans and opened this restaurant, Wayfair, and makes awesome sandwiches. He has, how many types of mayonnaise do you think he has in there, Eve? Mm, I'm gonna go for six. 35. Uh, what? That's way more. 35 types of handmade mayonnaise, and he cures his own meat, which you can see hanging in that glass case behind you, and makes they make their own bread here. The sandwiches are fucking fantastic. Can I get a flight of the mayos, maybe? A flight of mayos? Mm. Well, how many <laughs> mayos in a flight? Seven? I don't know. Yeah, seven sounds good. Okay. The bartenders here also make awesome drinks. As you know, what are you drinking there, Eve? I think it's called a cucumber cooler. Oh, that's good. I know. Jeff, you got a beer? Yeah, you guys have got... What do you guys... These are the we got to catch up. The Balkans don't have anything here. I'll tell you who these guys all are in a minute. The happy hour lasts from 4 to 7 here every day at Wayfair. So Andrew Duhon is back from his travels around yeah. the world to join us finally. How was the trip? You guys are still here. That's awesome. We're still here. I know. They haven't kicked us out in your absence. Eve Abrams is here. Jeff Deville is here. Boyana, Matt, and Georgi are here, and I'll tell you a little bit about each of them. First of all, hello, everybody. Hello. Hey. Hey. Hello. So Eve Abrams is a radio producer, writer, audio documentarian, and educator. It's true. And I also um, like to make homemade mayonnaise. How many, how many mayonnaises have you made so far in this lifetime? I guess two or three. Three. I like to make a garlicky aioli mayonnaise. Yeah, I have I'm, a yeah. question. What is the difference between mayo and aioli? Not much. Okay. I think what language you're speaking. All right. Good. Well, yeah. Garlic. I mean, hang on. Mayonnaise is what? French? I don't know. And aioli is it's, Italian? It's basically an egg and olive oil and a little bit of salt and lemon. What about the, what's in aioli then? That. Same thing. It's like a flavored mayonnaise, no? Yeah, it's got like garlic. Yeah, oh, okay. garlic. Yeah. But mayonnaise is, is that actually salt. is mayonnaise a French word? Dunno. Or did we just make it up in English? Dunno. No, Do you have I a smartphone? You could find I think it. Jeff, are you blind? Am I blind? Yes. Why? Because of my sunglasses? Because your sunglasses. Yeah, I just asking. No. Okay. I can see just you, ju- man. You can, well, I can't see you. That's <laughs> yeah. what's freaking me out. I'm Sorry. putting my sunglasses on in a minute as well. You can hear Eve's work on WWNO, New Orleans NPR station, and on national programs such as Morning Edition, The Tavis Smiley Show, The World. That's my favorite. The World is an awesome show. Are you on that as well? I, I have done a story on The World, yeah. That guy is great. What's his name? Marco Mark Werman. Mark Yeah, Marco Werman. Marco mm-hmm. Werman. Yeah. That guy is one of the greatest interviewers of all time. He's a really mm-hmm. nice man, too. Is he? What does he look like? Kind of like, uh, he's in his, I guess, early 40s, dark hair, um, down-to-earth looking, wears sandals. Wears sandals, I see. Mm-hmm. Lives in, he lives in Cambridge, Massachusetts? He does, That's where yeah. he does the show from. Or, or maybe in Boston. Okay. Yeah. Well, he is really great. Well, that's a great show to work on. And you also work on This American Life. 
I've done a story on This American Life, yeah. Well, oh, you're like a you. superstar. No, not really, but... Not really. <laughs> Com- yeah. Compared to us, you are. You also produce uh, um, hour-long documentaries, including Along St. Claude, which is an awesome piece, which investigates 300 years of change in downtown New Orleans. Oh, That's thanks, a really Grant. great idea, that documentary. Thank you. Whose Actually, idea was Jeff, that? Oh, it was my idea, but yes. Jeff, um, Jeff and I... Jeff, I, I think I asked Jeff some questions during that. When Jeff, I was, you, was you that were a that subject that? of that? Huh. I, I don't know if I was a subject. It was really more my business partner than, than myself. Say his name, Jeff. Nick Scramuza. Wow. Yeah. You could say anything. You had a great radio voice. Have oh, you ever been you. on the radio? <laughs> I had a uh, podcast. Apart from that, apart from coughing into the mic. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Do that again. Let me ask you that. Have you been on the radio? I have been on the radio a nice. few times, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. What, did you, what podcast did you have? It was called itsagoodlifebabe.com. What happened to it? Why did you quit doing it? Uh, because my partner moved to Washington, D.C. Hmm. And that was the end of that. That was the end so, of It's a Good Life, yeah. babe. Yeah. What, what was it about? It, it, I, I guess it was like this, you know? I mean, we... we it, Nothing. Well, no. I mean, it wasn't like five people sitting around like this. It was, it was just more like he and I talking about stuff that happened in New Orleans mm. every week. It was very, very informal. Mm. Couldn't you find someone else to talk about stuff that happened in New Orleans with other than him? No. Good answer. No, that's it. <laughs> okay. So Eva also uh, teaches uh, an audio workshop at Tulane University and English at Waldo Burton Memorial School. I do. Where's Waldo Burton and who was he? It, well, he was a kid who died and his dad was a rich man. Mm. And he made a school in honor of his son. And I do work at the Waldo Burton School, but my check, this is the really best part of my job, my check comes from the Society for Relief of Destitute Orphan Boys. That's who signs it? That's, you know, in the upper left-hand corner. Right, that's the name of the organization that you're employed by. Correct, correct, yeah. Say it again. The Society for Relief of Destitute Orphan Boys. Sort of. Charles Dickens? No, no. I mean, to me, it feels very Dickens. It does, yeah. Strange title. What makes you wonder if there's an organization for wealthy orphan boys? (laughs) It's just boys? It's just boys, yeah, yeah. And it's hiding in plain sight on Carrollton Avenue, uh, right Across from the post office, just down ah, the street yes. from the Holly Grove Market. Mm-hmm. Drew and by it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you didn't notice it. Because I, didn't, I didn't see any destitute orphans, though. No. Mm-hmm. Where's Waldo? Where are they keeping them? <laughs> Memorial. They're inside the building. <laughs> 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 but they come and go. They go to the library. They go to Longview. So if you hang out So what, uh, what killed Waldo Burton? Oh, I have no idea. This was in the 1800s. I don't know. I don't know what it's killed Waldo. It's not up on Waldo. the wall on a plaque or something that says Waldo it might Burton be. was... It might be. Beware, kids, don't... Don't eat the dot, 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 whatever he ate. I think he had a disease. That will kill you. Jeff Doville is here as well. Jeff wears three very different but equally fascinating hats as a musician. Jeff is a founding member of the band Egg Yolk Jubilee and has been playing continuously with the band for its entire history, which is now almost 18 years. Almost 18 years, yeah. Pretty good. During the mostly daylight... We've only only been out of town one time. What was 18 that? years. Really? Yeah. Where'd you play that one time? In Lafayette. <laughs> How'd you like it? Not too uh, much. It's great. I love that town. And we're going back tomorrow. Nice. Wow. So we'll be in Lafayette tomorrow again. Well, Second time. No, I'm kidding. I, actually, we've been out of town a few times, but not. Oh, that wasn't that funny, really, then. Because we were bored. I know. Sorry. Okay. Well, you could have come up with something funnier than that, seeing you I had know, a podcast. I, I can I see know. why they... I'm just trying to see what happened to the right podcast. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's all I'm trying <laughs> to do. Keep drinking. It's okay. Sure. So why don't you do the thing on Skype with the other guy who's now in Washington, D.C., and that would be just as cool. And he can be in D.C. and you could be here. You know, I really don't know, to be honest with you. I, I, I will have to bring that up with him. We've done some Skyping before. I, I Skyped with him when I was in, I was in Australia in, in 2012. Uh, but I don't believe that either, but you probably were, though. I was. You were? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Are you from there? No, I'm from New Zealand, but from close New enough. I can't. I'm sorry. No, nobody can tell the difference. Right. But what were you doing there? Uh, vacation. I went to Melbourne. I have a buddy who, uh, Andre Lansness. Anybody remember him? No. Great drummer. Oh, yeah, drummer. Remember him? Yeah. 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 From Norway. From Norway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He used to drum him. with Egg Yolk Jubilee for a while, and uh, so he's kind of like a globe-trotting guy, and he was living down in Melbourne, so I went to go and visit him. Okay. Well, that's a yeah. good enough reason. So you've been playing with the band for 18 years, and yep. during the daylight hours, it says here, you wear your second hat as a cinematographer, editor, and producer of independent and commercial TV projects. And for his third daily incarnation, Jeff is the owner of the Hipster Hang Lost, Lo- Lost Love Lounge. That's right. In the Maroney. Yeah. How hipster is it? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I mean, you know, you, you really don't choose your, your clientele. Mm. You know, they just yeah. come to you, you know. So, I mean, that's kind of like 
who's living down there now. Have you been down there recently? Yes. I can't tell who you're looking at. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, if it was me, yes. I don't know. Yeah. It's very yeah, don't, don't you think? Yeah, it's hip. But, um, you know, I think the, the, what is it, Vietnamese going on in the back? Yeah, we've got Vietnamese you know, food in the back. That, that drew me in. And, uh, you know, it, it's divey hipster, so it works for me. You know? How many times have you been there? How many times total? Yeah. <laughs> I go like once a week. I can count week. on two hands. You go, you go once, once a week, Georgi? That's Georgi. You're there all the time? Yeah. Really? Are you there all the time, Jeff? No, I'm not there You're all never the time there. now. No, no. Uh, I'm so you there. You're just cashing the checks? Uh, these days, yeah, yeah, if that's what you want to call it, sure. Yep, I cash the checks. Is there much money? There's a lot of money in booze if you can do it right, though, right? Well, I mean, there is, but I have two business partners, you know? So, I mean, it's a a solid middle class living, basically, you know? Lower middle class, let's say. Yeah, but still, you get to drink for wholesale, which is... I get to drink for wholesale. You get to meet interesting people, presumably. Right, sure. And have you got a cheap tattoo yet? Yeah, no. None? No cheap tattoos. tattoos. No. Have you have any tattoos? Regrettably. Really? Are you seriously regretting it? Absolutely. Oh, no. Why? Um, that's a long conversation, Grant. I mean, it's, well, it seems almost like... we have like three quarters <laughs> of the drink <laughs> to go. I don't know. I, 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 uh, I remember when I got it. I was 18, and I thought, oh, I'd rather regret getting this than regret not getting it. So I guess I win. Wow. You actually thought you'd rather regret getting a tattoo that's permanent than regret not getting it, even I, though you could have got I it did. later. Yeah. You didn't think I could get this tomorrow, maybe, or... Well, I kind of needed to do something. You know, sometimes you just need to do something. You could have changed the color of your hair or something. That would have been temporary. Right. Oh, you want to do something? You wanted to make a statement? No, I wanted to make a change. Where were you? I was in Connecticut. Hmm, that was it. Mm-hmm. No, it had nothing to do with Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you could have just gotten the car and left, and that would have... I was in school, so that would have been, you know, not so good for my grades. Yeah. I'm a good student, so... So you got a tattoo yeah. when you were in school in Connecticut. What were you studying? I studied English and African American history. Wow. Okay. Well, that was a, what was the tattoo? We, do we allowed to? See, can we see it, or is it somewhere hidden? It's not hidden, but I'm not going to show it off because I'm not really in love with it. If you happen to see it, good, you know, good on you. Graham, can you see it from your angle? <laughs> Our producer Graham DePonte is standing behind you. No, she can't see it. I just think they're a little bit, you know, uh, pedestrian. At really? this point, tattoos, I do. You mean? Yeah, I do. I do. Oh, you mean the whole thing, not just yours? In the whole I mean tattoos. tattoos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read a novel recently where um, it, it takes place a little bit in the future, and nobody gets tattoos anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I don't think that day is ever coming. Though I thought that day was going to come a long time ago. I thought it was a fad, like you know, in the mid- early nineties, and we everyone got a tattoo after Red Hot Chili Peppers, and someone started it. Why are we talking about tattoos? Who can remember? Anyone? <laughs> any idea? <laughs> Let me introduce you to Mahalo. Oh, you asked me if I uh, had If you have a tattoo because you're at the Lost Love Lounge where all right. the hipsters hang. Right. And what's the answer? Right. Do you have No, one? I don't have any. See, I wish I were more like you. <laughs> I don't know why I don't have it. My father has one. He's got the shark. You know, oh. the whipping around shark. Wow. That was no, from back in the school, day. Old school. Old yeah. school, yeah. On the chest or? No, it would be great if it was on the chest. Yeah. Yeah, no, on the shoulder. That's cool. Is it fuzzy now? Yeah, it's totally fuzzy now. It's blobby. That's the you thing. Know. You think you're going to be young for forever, but you know what? You're not. I know. Can you I get know. a tattoo that would stretch with you and like make sense <laughs> oh, as nice. you got older? That's a Maori thing, isn't it? Isn't that a New, uh, yeah. New Zealand thing? Is it's, it? They, they, they start out with uh, very small spots that are spread out, and as you get older and your skin starts to spread out, it actually fills into a solid black. So you see these really old people with really distinct black tattoos. Hey, good answer. I didn't know uh, that. Interesting. It's, it's called moko, the Maori word for it, but okay. I, I didn't know that's how they did it. I know it's pretty painful. Let me introduce you to Mahala. Did I pronounce that correctly? Actually, it's pronounced Mahala. Mahala. Yes. Okay. That's wow. why you see that little accent there? No, I do not see <laughs> it. Is it on there? It's, it's it didn't make it somewhere. somewhere. It didn't make it into Microsoft Word font uh-huh, on, well. from whoever printed this out. Mahala. So there's like an, an, a line across the top of the A or That's something? That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Mahala is a pan-Balkan word that means neighborhood. That's right. Believe it or not. Did you guys know that? I suppose you did. No. I did because I know Boyana. <laughs> there you go. Well, <laughs> ma- ma- Mahala uh, collectively is, uh, is a band and individually they're Boyana, Trayanova. That's right. Correct. Matthew Schreiber and Georgi Petrov. 
How's that? Correct. Let me tell you a bit about each of these people. Boyana is one of New Orleans' finest drummers. She's played with a who's who of New Orleans legends, including John Mooney, Coco Robichaux, and Michael Ray and the Cosmic Crew. I have. I know. It's pretty amazing. We'll get onto the true. details of that in a minute. Georgi Petrov is a sideman, sideman. He and his guitar are all over town, playing straight-ahead jazz, gypsy jazz, swing, funk, and fusion with a variety of outfits, including Aurora Neeland, Sasha, and Steve Mazakowski. You play guitar with Steve Mazakowski? I studied with him for a long time. You studied with him? We've played a couple of gigs. We've played a couple of gigs yeah, He is a great guitar player, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Steve's, Steve's the man. So you learned from Steve, so you're pretty good too. I, I don't know. He's good. Get Steve. the guitar, He's get the guitar right. out. He's good. And you have a solo album that was uh, released in 2013 to glowing reviews, it says here. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's you, great. you can the, read that for the yourself. Reviews that's what were it says. Yes. They were glowing. Yeah. How's, this, how's the record? Is it good? It's good. It's modern. You better jazz. get the guitar out and play us something right now. We'll probably play something together. Okay, we'll hurry it up. Matt, while I'm introducing Matt, you can get the guitar. What okay. do you think? Sure. Matt, and listen to that listen to the story about Matt Schreiber. Is it pronounced Schreiber? That's Schreiber, yes. Okay, Matt, this is a good one. Matt may be the only person in the world who can simultaneously play accordion and ride a unicycle. And if you tell me you didn't bring a unicycle here, I'm going to be really upset. Mm. I won't tell you that. You got it in the car, right? <laughs> I won't tell you that either. Ah, okay. You can play an accordion and ride a unicycle. Matt is one of the only of a handful of American accordionists to learn to play a traditional style directly from Eastern European and Balkan musicians. Matt recently moved to New Orleans. Did you really win? Sorry? When did you move here? Uh, I moved here in November of 2013. So you've just so been here for here. a little while. Wow, mm -hmm. wait. And you moved here to play with the Panorama Jazz Band mm -hmm. after several years of touring in the Northeast and in Europe, sharing the stage with artists such as Peter Rolchev. I'm sure that's pronounced wrong. Isn't that's it? right. Slavic Soul Party, Kabil, and Elitsa Stoyneva. That's great. And who, who is Elitsa? Uh, Elitsa is a, a gold medal singer in uh, Bulgarian folk music, <laughs> and, uh, right. which sounds kind of esoteric, but they're, they're <laughs> like Bulgarian female vocal styles are this really kind of incredible, virtuosic, and um, just really interesting style. These guys can probably tell you more about we it since they grew up in Bulgaria. We have medals for everything in Bulgaria. Right. Mm. <laughs> so, nice. so it's leftover communism. <laughs> so, Georgi and Boyana, you two are both Bulgarian. We are. And did you know each yep. other in Bulgaria? No, we met here. No. What were the chances of both of you meeting? Is there like a Bulgarian pretty society? Soon because um, <laughs> I left pretty early on. Yeah, you've been here forever. Yeah, I have. How long have you been here for? I've been here, I uh, came to America in 1990, in January. Yeah. Right, right after the, the wall came down in 89. Is that when you started chewing gum, or is that more? I'm actually not chewing that. any gum right now. You're not. I'm, yeah. I thought you were. I'm just pretending. Just pretending. Yeah. So it looks good. Okay. <laughs> I want to look cool. What's the Bulgarian <laughs> deal with gum? Do they have gum over there? Well, back in the communist days, there was no gum. None. No, there was one kind. It was called turbo. Turbo gum. Yeah. Well, and it had and it had pictures of cars inside. Okay. Like, you know, like you get like a little picture. Like bazooka jar type yeah, thing. Yeah, you get like cars. you get like a Russian Moskvich in there. You know. <laughs> well, so. You lived under the, You guys grew up under the communist regime. Um, yeah, I left when I was like nine years old, so still remember communism. Georgi, when did you leave? I'm Much a little bit younger. I'm a little bit younger than Buyana, but I left when I was 19 from Bulgaria. But you said you left when the war came down. Is that right? Uh, like right after. That was 19. We, we were trying to leave before, but you couldn't, and then and then all of a sudden nobody was watching the border, so we left. <laughs> Is it really like that? You it just really was. Wow. It must be just such a different. Oh, man, it was quite the culture shock, man. You know, walking into a grocery store. Yeah. Whoa. Food? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> what was that like? Can, where, where there's, did like you there's like mountains of kiwis, man, right. in the store. It was like this like big pyramid of kiwis. I couldn't believe my eyes. Like, what? I've never even seen a kiwi before. Where were you then? Oh, Durham, North Carolina. That's where you landed. Mm -hmm. So you left. But what does Bulgaria look like? Now? More then, I when mean, you left. Is it beautiful as a place? It's it's a beautiful country, but uh, the communists kind of messed it up a little bit. They built these very ugly um, residential high-rise living structures. They call them blocks. They're, uh, man, they're hideous. Concrete. <laughs> and what did your parents do? Uh, my parents are scientists, actually. That's how we left. Yeah. Uh, my mom got a job at Duke University in Durham. What sort of science do they do? My mom does biomedical engineering, and my dad does uh, computer stuff. Wow, that's handy. It is. And then you're the black sheep of the family. You're a I drummer. Sure am. It doesn't get any worse than that. <laughs> no, but, it doesn't. But wait, Boyana, what did you study? I actually studied computer science in school. You did? Okay, Eve knows that already. Yeah. I have some inside information. Yeah. How do you guys know each other? Oh. Well, 
<laughs> you take it away, Boyana. Oh, well. <laughs> New Orleans is a pretty small town. Everyone kind of knows each other. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's not the answer to the question, though. How do you know each other? <laughs> so you're my husband, who's yeah. a musician. That's actually uh, how I met Boyana yeah. and Georgi. Yeah, we, we worked together for years. What in? One in? Music. What band? I mean. <laughs> uh, it's not really a band. It's just kind of a gig. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's even more mysterious. Andrew, you got any? Yeah, just a music. Like Shitty everybody who goes down and plays on Frenchman, you play, you know, you play tomorrow night with somebody else at some other place, just a gig, you know? Yeah. Is that what you, is that how you, what it was like for you for years? Yeah, still is. You still do that, right? Yeah. So how often do you guys play together, Mahala? Mahala. Well, we do every Monday at uh, Siberia. Right. So once a week at least. And then we get together and rehearse, hang out. Okay, so podcast. You have to, <laughs> you have to play something for us now, right? I, I guess we have let's to. Let's do. Let's tell us what you're going to play. You've got, what do we? You have a, a big giant drum. What do you call that? Let's call it a tuppen. It's a it's a two head two sided two headed drum. It kind of looks like a bass drum, and uh, one side is uh, low pitched, kind of like a bass drum, and the other side is like a really thin head, and you play it with a really skinny stick. Yeah. It's kind of like a twig. Actually, it is a twig. <laughs> pluck it off the tree and you bang the Is drum. A piece of fishing rod right now. It's a it's a fishing rod now. Yeah. Are you customized it? Well, you know the the twig. Um, Broke it off. Yeah, I I break twigs, so the, the fishing rod's a little more sturdy. <laughs> okay, yeah. so where do you get that from? You have to have that shipped in. I actually got it from Bulgaria. It's a did you bring it back with you? I did. On a trip. On a, yeah, last year I went there. It's kind of a crazy story. I don't know if you have time for it. Well, yeah, we can always cut you off. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> what's the story? Well, so, oh, my God, this, this is a really crazy story. So, this, uh, so I was in Bulgaria uh, playing uh, at a jazz festival there. And then um, uh, when, when my gig was done, I hung out for, like, an extra two weeks. And uh, I met up with a, a, a friend from America there. And I actually didn't know him that well. He, he's friends with uh, these other musicians we we play together like once a year for mardi gras with the panorama brass band and these guys live in new york and this guy like plays with them up in new york so basically we're like family you know (laughs) so i found out he was gonna be in bulgaria and we emailed each other like oh let's hang out so you know we met up and we hit it off and he's like hey you you want to play a top one and i was like yeah i always wanted to but i don't have one and he's like oh let me i got it you know and so, uh, so he had been in Bulgaria traveling around and doing fun things with his friend Ivan, who is Bulgarian. And Ivan is a drummer. And he picked up this tapan, but he couldn't take it home with him, so he left it with his mom. And then, so, so Max, he's, he's the guy that uh, made he's all this possible. Guy. He's okay. the New York guy, yeah. He takes me to the mom's house. You know, and she lives in one of those big, tall residential complex things. And, um, you know, the mom's real cool. We hit it off because I speak Bulgarian and stuff, and I can translate and stuff. And she was real nice. She let me borrow the drum, and we went and played it. We went and played. Max plays accordion, so I played the top on. And we went and played in, like, a little field (laughs) right outside of the uh, residential complex. And I shot some video with my iPhone. And then later, I, I uploaded it to YouTube, and Yvonne, who lives in San Francisco, saw it, and he was like, oh, you know, if Moyana wants to, she could take that drum to New Orleans with her. So I did, and um, I just happened to bring a roll of bubble wrap with me to Bulgaria, because there's, like, no bubble wrap in all of Bulgaria. <laughs> And, uh, you know, when that I That might be the weirdest part of the story. I was <laughs> thinking the same thing. <laughs> 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 Who travels with bubble wrap? I, well, I do. Well, well, yeah, I what were you thinking? Some what were you thinking well, might I, be the my, use for it? My grandmothers are always trying to give me breakable things to take home with me. <laughs> and like, I'm like, well, do we have any bubble wrap? And they're Your like, What's, what the hell is bubble wrap? Is, like, there's no so bubble impressive. wrap. They have like bubble mailer envelopes, but not right. like bubble wrap that you can. Well, like, there's got to be like with. a. There's got to be an opening there for the. You're gonna make some money. I know, right? You need to take tons of bubble wrap. We could ship bubble wrap. We're gonna Bulgaria. start a bubble wrap business. Yeah. This is how people get wealthy, right? Uh, Maybe. Well, 
They ship bubble wrap to Bulgaria. Okay, so you've got the. <laughs> Are we anyway, going to wrap it in? Anyway, let's just to, just to set the stage here. This this thing that first of all, mom. Where did mom have that sort of little apartment in her high rise? It's huge. This thing. Oh, it was just hanging out in the. In but what room was it in? Well, there's not that many rooms in there. So. That's what I'm saying. She, it must have been pretty awkward for mom to be. Yeah, yeah. She was happy to get rid of it. Yeah, actually. I bet. And so also, it takes a lot of bubble wrap to wrap something like yeah, this. Yeah. Well, no, I brought a roll. You know, and I carried it with me. It's huge. It's like, a, you know, you see, a, you see a, a brass band, you know, with a guy with a big bass drum. That's what it looks like. Yeah, it's, it's that size. It's, it's, it's kind of big. big. Yeah, yeah. No, I brought a roll. I was, the plan was to, like, wrap some things and leave the rest to grandma. So it, on, like, future trips, there will be bubble oh, wrap. Good to idea. Wrap yeah. So what did, in. what did grandma say when she gave you the stuff? And you said, I can't take it. I have to wrap the top. Well, part. yeah, the, she was disappointed that I can't take the breakable uh, yeah. china. But she was happy that, that I was taking home a drum. So okay, it you worked out. You could have put some of the stuff in the drum, I suppose. What um, what does Grandma like to give you? What does she collect? Um, she's got like fine china and stuff that she wanted to give me, and like jars of like delicious fruit preserves and whatnot. Oh yeah, those okay. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, that was a good story, I have to say. Congratulations. <laughs> it lived up to the to the hype. Hey, listen. Um, what what about a song now? We've got through this. Yeah, yeah let's hear the part. damn thing for Christ's yeah, sake. This guitar is beautiful right, too that Georgi has. It's a gorgeous looking guitar. What is that? It's a good dance. Canadian French. So that's a Bulgarian guitar as well? <laughs> okay, well everyone's yeah, gone. Okay. Wow, here comes an accordion. Look I really I want to get back to the unicycling thing. Oh, we haven't is even touched on unicycling. Yeah. We've got to talk about the private hire. Do you have like a circus arts background now? Um, I do actually, yeah. Oh, uh, good question, Eve. I, I, I do this professionally, Grant. I know. That's why we got you on the show. <laughs> I uploaded a video of me riding uh, the unicycle while playing the accordion from a, a circus gig that I was on in the early days of YouTube, and I didn't check back in for about a year and a half, and then I realized that a lot of people were excited about me riding the unicycle and playing wow. the accordion. How many the views time. did it have? Um, at that time, it had a couple thousand, which felt like a lot. Now that's like nothing in the YouTube world. I haven't looked at it in a while, so maybe it's even more than that. What's it called? How can we find it? Uh, I think if you just type in unicycle accordion, it'll come up. <laughs> okay. Did you bring the unicycle to New Orleans when you moved here? I didn't, no. Oh, no. bummer. No, I, 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 I broke Don't my wrist a couple times playing cool. it. And, oh, um, man. Oh. As I, as I made the accordion times. my livelihood, I just didn't really want to yeah. risk it anymore after that. Did you oh. play that? Accordion, the big, no. really extra large one. <laughs> no, I, this one is. I would. I wouldn't do that. It was a. It was a smaller one. It was smaller like my one. First, yeah. first accordion, probably weighed like 15 pounds. This one weighs like 35. Mm. I gotta say, I, I live with several accordions, and that one is particularly stunning. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you play Eve or your husband? No, plays? my husband plays. Yeah. Yeah. Can you? I'm sorry. I know you guys are gonna play a song, but it's yeah. like in immaculate condition too. It it's seems. So, it's, it's pretty new. It, it's uh, it's designed like an accordion that was from the 60s and 70s, but it was made about 10 years ago. And when when I bought it, it was advertised as having 150 rhinestones in it. So I haven't counted them all, but that's, beautiful. That's an important part of the design. It apparently. is gorgeous. How did you learn to play the accordion? It must have been. A, uh, did you play piano first? I, I did. I, I played the accordion as a kid a little bit. Um, my mom just liked to collect all different kinds of musical instruments. There are a lot of different instruments in the house, and the accordion was one of them. Right. And then uh, I played piano for a while, and I played bass guitar. And about about ten years ago, I came back to the accordion, kind of as my as my brand, my, my main thing. Okay, we'll get onto the whole unicycle circus thing. I think we're onto something there. Eve. Good job. And you played with Slavic Soul Party. Uh, you yeah, sat on there. Yeah, we know those guys. We're actually opening for them in October. We're doing a little tour up to New York. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've studied quite a bit with the accordion player from, uh, from that group. Named they're Peter a lot Stan. of fun, man. Yeah, he's a blast. They're, yeah. they're, all, they're all great guys. They have the a, uh, an, an Alan Toussaint uh, number that they cover, oh, cool. I think, too, right? Lee Dorsey tune. Huh. Yeah, one of their records, man. It's really yeah. great. Yeah. Cool. yeah, they're great guys. So, what are you going to play? Uh, hold on. You want us to sing something or just play, like, a dance tune? Do you have any, any preference? You can sing. It would be great. Yeah. yeah. You want to do more encyclopedia? All right. <laughs> Oh, there's the fishing rod. You need some room. Watch your cord there, you kind of, you know. There you go.
Wow. What a treat. That's pretty intimidating playing that to us sitting around the table here, isn't it? No, no, I mean... We're just trying to entertain. <laughs> you no, did. That was awesome. Great stuff. It was. So pull up a chair and tell us a little bit about that. First of all, what were you actually singing? What, what are the lyrics? The, the song is... Uh, is uh, the, the translation of the title is A Falcon Drinks. <laughs> a Falcon but Drinks. It's, it's, about, uh, it's about a freedom fighter that uh -huh. was killed in battle. And, uh, Would that be about a real person? I'm sure it actually happened, yeah. So when, <laughs> what era is this song from? Uh, it's from like the, probably late. Brianna, just talking to here. There we go. Oh, uh, well, you see, uh, let me tell you some history first. So um, Bulgaria was uh, under Ottoman rule for like 500 years. So um, there was a lot of like revolts and, you know, freedom battles. So it's, it's from that era, from like when people were fighting for their freedom. So what's what you guys play as folk? music, Bulgarian folk music. We are a folk band, yes. Right, okay. And are they making uh, modern Bulgarian music? Is there pop or, or oh rock Oh yeah, or there's something? like a pop folk that's uh, totally revolting. Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the sort of electronic scene or yeah. reggae scene or is there stuff like that goes on there as well? There's definitely a lot of electronic stuff. I'm, I'm not really into that so I can't really right. give you details. So you guys, where do you find these songs? Do you have a collection or you know them? Uh, YouTube. Oh, YouTube. <laughs> really? The oral tradition. <laughs> well, Matt, you you sound like the most Bulgarian of anybody. Yeah. You got, you're the guy I'm playing the accordion. I'm 0% Bulgarian. Right. You're the only non-Bulgarian in the band. Yeah. How did you get into it? Um, I, I basically got into Bulgarian music through the accordion because uh, I started playing the accordion and it, when I was living in Maine and uh, I was looking for other genres of music in the states that would embrace the accordion and whenever i showed up in an accordion somewhere somebody was like that it's no longer rock like it's no longer it's no longer a jam band it's something else so i just kind of looked around for different genres where there was already an established accordion tradition and um what did you go through before you got to i guess bulgaria's b did you start at a <laughs> Azerbaijan. Aborigine. There's, actually, there's actually a really good accordion tradition there um no i i, I lived in uh, in germany for two years and um i had an accordion teacher there who, uh, he was actually American, but he played a lot of Yiddish music, Eastern European Jewish music, and uh, he was doing a project with uh, one of the top accordion players uh, alive today, who's Bulgarian, named Petar Ralchev. And uh, he, he I, some of his recordings and then some earlier recordings that inspired him and kind of inspired the accordion in the Bulgarian tradition is what, is what turned me on. And then as soon as I found that, and I, I, as soon as I found Bulgarian music and Balkan music in general, I realized there was just a lot of really great music that had been kind of unexplored by anyone that I knew and was underrepresented. Like there was a huge right. recording industry there that never made it over here, but there's like literally thousands of recordings of Bulgarian recording players that are in Bulgaria. Wow. Jeff, do you know anything about this? Do you book, do you have music at the, we, at the Lost Love Lounge? Um, we played with uh, Dubosh one time a couple of years ago. We don't have music at Lost Love Lounge. That's a long story. But um, <laughs> we, uh, we, you know, so we, how would you describe we the We tried to do Balkan music. <laughs> That's, right. you know, so for, for a time, one of our members was uh, really just, you know, thought it, you know, it would be a cool thing to do. And um, there's that Balkan fest that goes on, I think, once a year, right, at uh, Bacchanal? Oh, Isn't there? You don't know about that? I haven't heard about that, no. I don't know if it's still happening or not. But anyway, that's, that's where we play. There's some great photos of that. But, um, where does the Jubilee play mostly? Uh, we have played every club in New Orleans. Right. Every single one. Um, so, I mean, 18 years, though. Yeah, 18 years. So you must be still Some that aren't even around anymore. I bet. Well, you've outlasted all sorts of places. Are you still enjoying sure. it? Oh, I, I like playing music more now than I ever have. Really. Mm. No, but, you know, I wanted to ask something about the drum. Is, like, how do you get the that really snappy, high-end sound out of what looks like a bass drum and then a bass sound out of the other side. Well, so the, the, the one head is like a thick head and that's where you get the bass sound from, the thick 
goat skin. And, and the other head is a really thin synthetic head, and it's like stretch real tight. And then you, you whack it with a small stick. Right. So that's where it comes from. It's just unbelievable it's to me. I mean, it's like a drum kit in one drum. Right. Yeah. You know? Right? Yeah. yeah. And you can walk around with it. I know. That's Bad. amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Nice, it's nice because the, the snary high-end head has all that space to kind of resonate. So it's yeah. a different sound than you would get from, you know, a similar, oh, totally. you know, treatment on a, on a snare or something. You know? Can you guys plug your shows again, please? Oh, yeah. We play uh, every Monday at Siberia on St. Claude. What time? Uh, six to nine. Six to nine, so it's Every early Monday. as well. That's uh, yeah, it's like the dinner hour, and really? they have a uh, delicious Slavic soul food at Siberia. So on Mondays, what goes on at the Lost Love Lounge on Mondays? Occasionally, we have vegan drink night. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Mondays. <laughs> what is it? That is not my idea, by the way. I don't. I can't. I, was, I can't tell I if you're making that up partners. or not. You know, yeah. Who are these business partners of yours? Uh, one is William Walker, originally from uh, Chicago, and his wife. And the other one is Nick Scramuza. Oh, that's the, Nick Scramuza, the yeah. famous. Yeah, Nick exactly, Scramuza. the famous Nick Scramuza of the Scramuza family. Right. The name Scramuza is famous in New Orleans. Why that's do we right. know that? What's it from? Because his cousin had a seafood joint on, uh, on, on North Broad. On Broad, yeah. Can you do the long commercial? Long time ago, long time ago. I don't remember how the commercial well, Eve, goes. what was the commercial? Do you remember how the commercial I, I was told by Nick that I don't remember. But I was told that it was a barometer for it's if you just, were a true New Orleanian, if you knew it. Yeah, I mean, if you you can go on YouTube and you can see it. And, uh, you know, Al Scramuza. Al Scramuza. Al Scramuza. That was his name, right. You know, I'll tell you an interesting story about him that I found out later on. Is that for a time, he had a record label in the 1960s called Scram Records. Right, and his principal artist was uh, Eddie Bowe. And so Eddie Bowe, it was he he wrote jingles for his crawfish business, you know. But on the side, he had these other he had these other uh, tunes that he wrote, and they put them out. And one of them was Hook and Sling Part Two, which I think is the biggest hit that Eddie Bowe ever had. So this is other side of Al Scramuza that you, that you know very few people know about. Well, some people know. How does that song go? I don't know, I think I've it's ever a, heard that. A, I've only heard you've never heard that? I've only heard this Eddie Bo do a hole, there's a hole in my bucket or something that like that. Is, uh, that is, that song is the most famous song here regionally, but the one that he had a hit with was that. It's an instrumental tune. Oh. Um, it was a B-side, and James Black plays the drums, plays the drums on it and goes crazy. Goes and what, what, crazy. What's it called again? On that song. It's, it's called Hook and Sling Part Hook 2. Hook and Sling Part yeah. 2. Mm-hmm. Do you know it, Andrew? Yeah, familiar. Yeah, Eve, yeah you know uh, that song. It's in that that funk that, like, you know, it, it gives the New Orleans the face to, of funk, just like, uh, you know, the Meters tunes and uh, and uh, and uh, what's the other tune that I, that I think is just uh, is the logo for New Orleans funk. Um, Audubon Zoo. Sissy. <laughs> 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 Hey. Sissy Strutt from, from, yeah, from the meters. From the I was meters. thinking of another one from... Uh, hey, Pocky Way. Doesn't matter. Anyway. One of the... One of the uh, maybe one of the Mardi Gras Indians. It ain't my fault. Are, oh, it ain't my fault. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or some yeah. of the Willie T numbers. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, I, for me, I, it's one of those records, you know how things were back then. They, they, they tried to just fill the B-side with whatever they could. Mm. And it's just like, this record's not going to do anything. Yeah, let them play. So let James Black go crazy. <laughs> Yeah, and he does, and then it turns out to be this huge hit. Yeah. So it was a it was a nationwide hit. I think it was regional, you know. But I, I know that there was some tension afterward, or there's rumored, you know, it's rumored that there was some Eddie serious Bone tension. Didn't, Eddie Bowe didn't get paid, and Al Scramuza kept it's all the money. That was something like that. Something like yeah, that. Yeah. Right. right. Exactly. That's a usual story. Was it? Is it what happened? I I wonder. I don't want to spread any false. Yeah, rumors, we don't. No, I, I, we don't want to say anything bad about yeah. Al Scramuza. Yeah. So how do you know Nick? Nick and I went to school together in 1991, starting in 91 at University of New Orleans. And I met him at, uh, they used to have a place called uh, The Cove. And there was actually a bar that was owned by the state that you could drink at, at UNO at the time, the Sandbar, right? Did you go to UNO? No, I didn't. Okay. That still exists. That still exists. Yeah, yeah. They okay. just they, they moved it. They right? well, they moved it, and then now they built this like amazing brand new building, and it's the coves inside now. <laughs> there's a bar still and all that, but it's brand new, and it's got like you know, wall 
with right. a projector and a giant piano and everything. Yeah, I can see it coming. Back in my day, it's coming. And right? No, 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 no. <laughs> I was gonna say. What I was gonna say is that Nick had like this. He was like larger than life kind of character with uh, he had this long hair and stuff, and he ran for vice president of the student council on a socialist ticket. Huh. <laughs> hey, no. And they How won. Wow. Yeah, it was it was incredible. So so he's like, I'm vice president of the school. You know, did, he institute any, did he institute any socialist uh, reforms at UNO? I, none that I can recall. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I think he just did what most people do, which is enjoy the power. Mm. Soak nice. it in. A vice president. I think yeah, that's, that's what right. socialism's all about, actually. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I, wait, was it socialism or communism? Well, communism, but, you know, that's specifics. It's all the same. <laughs> is there a difference when you're living under it? Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> no, but I mean, no, no, I mean, if it's really capitalism. I mean, is there a difference between socialism and communism? Do people talk about that? Well, socialism is theoretical. Communism is practical. Socialism, oh, I see. Yeah. There hasn't been a socialist Yeah, there's experiment. no such thing, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. What is the relationship between socialism and communism, though? I mean, what's the difference, basically, in a sentence? Well, communism is oppressive. And socialism is? Th- theoretically, not oppressive. Okay. In theory. What is the th- uh, what is the it, wasn't, it, uh, it wasn't oppressive at UNO. <laughs> okay, just to let okay. you know, because the sandbar was open all the time. All right, so that's that's basically what you want. Lots of when colleges, you're in but lots college. of colleges have bars, right? That's not a particularly nuanced thing. Is it? Yeah, not but owned by the state. But owned by the state—that's the <laughs> okay. thing that you have to remember. Okay, I mean, that was such a Louisiana thing. You know, it's yeah. like, come on, man, it's owned by the state and run by the state for crying out loud. Eve, yeah. did you? You didn't go to school here at all. You I did not. Moved. No. When did you move here? I moved here in 2007, January. January what? What day? Uh, we <laughs> missed the march, um, you know, the march for, I don't remember what the name oh, of yeah, it, for yeah, peace. Oh, yeah, yeah, there was, there was, know, it was like an anti-crime rally because there was some high-profile murders. Shavers yeah, General and, and Hill and Hill oh. got murdered. Oh, you we just, were, oh, that was that, yeah. So it was like a couple, maybe a week or two after that that mm-hmm. I moved here? You move, that's a good thing about New Orleans. You can, you can place when you moved here after a murder. It was right well, after the Helen Hill murder. It was a protest about the murder. The murder yeah. happened maybe a month before. It that. wasn't that much before. Yeah, that was a huge protest down at City Hall. So, but yeah. you missed that protest. I did. Well, how did you know anything about that if you weren't even here for it? Well, I had a connection with New Orleans for quite some time before I moved here. Oh, okay. So you weren't just moving blindly here. No, I wasn't. And I was moving here with someone who, ha- my husband, who um, had lived here since ninety. 94, was he like living that. here when you met him, or you met him somewhere else? I met him here, but he w- he'd evacuated. He'd uh, temporarily relocated to Brooklyn, where I was living at the time, because of Katrina. I oh, see so you guys met. We met here at the first Mardi Gras after Katrina, but then he oh, was, was living. Oh, that was a good in, one. Yeah, it was that a was great a Mardi yeah. Gras. <gasps> I loved yeah, like that Mardi Gras. Best one ever. Best one ever. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Well, how did you how did you actually meet at Mardi Gras? We were both staying at a friend's house, and well. It was his friend, she's now my friend, but at the time she was the sister of my friend and she made space for me because I needed, I had a little bit of a gap in in where I was staying because another friend was working on a movie in Shreveport and so there were a couple nights where I needed a place to crash and so this friend of my sister. I'm gonna do a shout out, Monique Leon, one of the most generous people I know. She made space for me, so. So Monique is the person that made and then the rest of your life. Yeah, this really cute guy answered the door, like opened the door and. Wow. Really? Yeah, truly. That's pretty romantic. I know. <laughs> that is great. And he was living in Brooklyn at the time. He was actually living on the same street as me about a mile away. In, in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah, I was in Carroll Gardens. He was in Crown Heights, for those of you with and But you met Brooklyn. in what suburb here? Where was that? We met in Bywater. You where met in Bywater in New Orleans, now. and you were both living in Brooklyn. Yeah, he had an apartment in Bywater at the time that was sublet. And then when we moved here, we moved into his apartment at the truck farm. Nice. Have we talked about Greg? Let's talk. Well, we did because Boyana. I used and to I work with him for, yeah. for like yeah. We're not allowed to know years, years, doing years. what, though, exactly? Playing music. Yeah. All right. That's as close as you can get, Jeff, if you want any more details. Well, Greg, Greg is also an accordionist and bass player. True. Why do those always go together? Yeah, why do they? What's up with that? A lot of people don't know this, but uh, the left hand of the accordion is actually a bass that's what's going on. Oh, with all those okay, buttons. okay. I was so the, right, the, the sure. The piano's obvious, but the left hand is really, there's a lot of bass action. Right, right. I, I just want to note that I'm the only person, well, I don't know about you, Grant, but mm-hmm. I think I might be the only person at this table who's not a musician. 
I'm not a musician okay. either. High five. High five on that. That's a good <laughs> point. That's a good point. We're outnumbered I know, I by feel musicians. Outclassed. Yeah. Hardly. <laughs> you guys are, you, you know. None I of wouldn't us. refer to myself as a musician. Oh, but wait, exactly. you, you wait cross, a second. You that was in your bio. Though. I know it was in my bio. You've been in the band for 18 years. I know. That makes you. We what have you two call audio. What would you call it? Audio. I'm a producer. Okay. Two producers. Yeah. So we're well, at least we've got that in common. Yeah. That's something we can do. We all do. Anybody with could our do ears. that though. <laughs> Eve, I should make you read something. Have you heard Eve's voice? You're you have a whole. Right you have a whole different voice when you're on the air, though. No, I don't. You do it so gorgeous. Oh, thanks. Not that your voice isn't gorgeous now, but when you do it, I'm going to read. What would you like to read here? I'm going to give you something to read. I think I just read more slowly. Mahala. Is that what it is? I think it's just that I read more slowly. I'm a fast talker. I think you have this beautiful delivery. I'm going to read Jeff's bar glass. Okay, what does it say? Nola. Nice. (laughs) See what I mean? Nice work. (laughs) Nola Brewing Co. Excellent. Oh, you can read this about Jeff. Read the first couple of sentences there. Just didn't we do Jeff's bio? Already? Yeah, but this is a different one. I don't know where that comes from. Oh wow! Jeff was raised in the hinterlands of Harahan, Louisiana. Mm. Mr. Deville, otherwise known as Jeff, escaped across the 17th Street Canal at the tender age of 18 to discover the delectable sinfulness that is New Orleans. Jamming out on the electrified guitar, whilst attending, I'm reading this verbatim, whilst attending the illustrious University of New Orleans Film School, Mr. Duville went on to become a founding member of Egg Yolk Jubilee, 18 years a member this October. Cameraman, editor, producer, blah, 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 of many independent and commercial television projects. And eventually, we know all this information. Mm-hmm, but it's just good, nice to hear the NPR delivery, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's nice. Well, thank you. How do you learn to speak like that? Is it, you live, is it osmosis? Well, you or know is what? there an NPR school <laughs> where you have to go? If you remember from my <laughs> yes, bio, probably. I have a sort of dual career. Teacher and radio producer. And I was a teacher for many, 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 many years before this. And I elementary school teacher. So I read aloud every day. So I don't know. I you were an elementary school teacher? Yeah, correct. <laughs> Not here, though. In New York City, in the East Village. Holy hell, that must have been interesting, too. It was awesome. How did you get from elementary school teaching to being on the NPR? I had an epiphany. What was it? Well, I'd always been a writer. I had this um, mistaken idea that teaching was a great way to, to be a writer because you had all this extra time. Oh, I but I thought that when I was teaching in a dysfunctional school. And then I went to a functional school and I realized, no, no, teaching takes like 20 hours of your day. Oh, so at a dysfunctional school, you don't have to prepare anything. At a dysfunctional school, you have a you lot more time to yourself. Yeah, yeah, true. But um, but I also, I was living in New York City. I had a ton of friends who were in radio, and This American Life came on the scene, and radio kind of changed, and I'd been a writer, and I just, I really, I had an epiphany that, oh my God, I should, I'd become a better writer if I learned how to make stories for the radio. Because you have to be so succinct on the radio, and I tend to be long-winded, so... When you write for radio, it's short declarative sentences. Was there like an epiphanous moment, or do you just sort of sort of gradually dawn on you? You're like, I should do this. I don't remember a moment. I remember a season of my life. Hmm. hmm. And yeah. what did you do first? How did you go from thinking I'd like to do this to actually? I saw doing it? a story happen in front of my eyes that was amazing, and I said, "Oh my God, this is a This American Life story." And so I borrowed recording gear from my friend, Joe Richman, who's a pretty famous audio producer. And I recorded the story without knowing what I was doing. And my story eventually ended up on This American Life. Oh, my God. That is magical. That's almost as magical as opening the door and there's your future husband who lives one mile away from you. Almost. Yeah. One is a little bit more important. (laughs) Well, they both shaped your life in some way or other. What was the story that you saw unfolding on the street in front of you? It wasn't on the street. It was in my school. Um, it, it involved two former students of mine. And um, one, one student had been a kid who had a kind of hard life. Actually, not unlike my students now, my, my orphan child students now. And, um, and it was several years. And his best friend, a girl who was very successful in school. And um, he was murdered. Um, he was young. He was maybe... Oh, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, he was murdered. And she, I guess to deal with her grief, decided that she wanted to exonerate his name. He had this kind of bad boy reputation, and she went about exonerating his name. And, and so she came to our school. She was now in junior high school, I guess. And she wanted a, another teacher of his, not, not myself, the teacher that he, he, I had him for third and fourth grade, and, and the teacher he had for fifth and sixth grade was very 
hard on him. Um, and this best friend, her name is Lily, Lily Torres. If you're hearing this, Lily, hello. And Lily wanted this teacher, my colleague, to know that Robert, the boy, had always appreciated her for how hard she was on him, that he knew that that was an act of love. So, and then it, it meant so much to this teacher because Robert had this really hard, um, he had a hard life, and she always second-guessed if she did the right thing with him, and so it meant, it meant the world to her to hear that right. he had appreciated her. And how old was this kid? I think he was 13 or 14 when he was murdered, stabbed to death. Stabbed? Yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So, so you told the story of, of the girl, Lily. I did. Well, Lily is in the story, and my colleague, uh, my former colleague, Sophia, who carried the note that Lily wrote her around in her wallet, she was in the story. Wow. And I didn't have any recordings of Robert, and he passed away, so. So on your um, website, Yeah. EveAbrams.com. Yeah. There's there's lots of these stories that you've recorded over the years that that are that are sitting there. Do people listen to them? Do people go back and listen to your? Oh gosh, I don't know. Reports? I hope they do. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think I think you can find that out by going into like Google statistics. You can see the analytics. But let's not do that. I don't do it. I don't do it. I hope they do. I think they do. Actually, I just interviewed a guy who lives in Vermont, and um, I didn't know him, and he he emailed me that. He, he, he had listened to some stories, so I guess people do. It's on my tagline when I sign my email, so I guess. Maybe, oh, that's good. Maybe. Okay, so tell us a little bit about it. So how do you, apart from that one, when you started yeah. out and you just went and told the story into a tape recorder or whatever, I mean, whatever it was in it those was, days. It was a tape recorder. It had actual cassettes. Actual tape. Wow. So how do you get a story on the NPR or, or on WWNO? Do they, you do you, pitch it. Do you go, to, you have to pitch it. You do. So you come up with an idea for a story, like a Bulgarian it. band mm-hmm. in New Orleans. That's a good idea. <laughs> okay. And then what happens when you have the idea? Then you have to go into WW. And then There's a lot of rejection involved, Grant. Really? Is <laughs> that right? <laughs> yeah, now tell us, how, tell us how it works, really. What happens when you come up with an idea? Do you have to write it out or you just go in and have yeah, a no, meeting you, with someone? You write it. You write a pithy little email and, and you, you make a case for why it's the most important tantalizing story on the planet. So the first piece that you made was the one that went to NPR. Was it went to one? This American Life, which no, is not this an American NPR Life. show. I just want to clear that up. Yeah. NPR is National Public Radio. This American Life is PRI, Public Radio International. It's not even PRI anymore. It's kind of like Kleenex. No, it's not an anymore kind of situation. It's like when you want a tissue, you, you might say, I want a Kleenex, but it might be not Kleenex brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but actually, the, they left PRI now as well. They're not even on PRI anymore. Oh, they're not? They're independent. Oh. Ira Glass decided that he could make more money himself by distributing the show. He's a big-time dude. So. I saw that. There's nobody bigger. PRX. Oh, it's PRX. He does it through PRX, Public Radio Exchange, which actually Matt that? knows a lot more about than I do, I'm sure. Do you, Matt? Um, my, my wife works for PRX. <laughs> so it's, a small it's all world. coming together. Graham, good job. And again. What does she do for PRX here uh, in she, New Orleans? Uh, she, yeah, here in New Orleans, the, the PRX is based in Cambridge, but um, she does fundraising for them and development, grant writing, um, that sort of thing. So she, her job is really there, but she does it here. Right, I mean, you can yeah, do it anyway. Uh, she's, yeah, she's not raising money for public radio tele- in New Orleans, I wouldn't think. Uh, she's not, the donors are not based in New Orleans. The, the donors are, are national foundations. Um, and so you dragged her down here. Basically, yeah. She's really excited to be here. She actually just today started a graduate program at Tulane University, so um, wow. I think it's safe to say that she's making a transition <laughs> away from her job. Away from begging. Um, well, well oh, away, from, uh, away from her day job, yeah. What does she want to do? What graduate program is she in? Uh, she's, in a, she's in the School of Social Work, um, so she's going to get a MSW in social work, and uh, I, th- I think it's um, a general move to make roots in New Orleans you know it's not really sustainable I think in the long term for her to continue working for a company that is based 1500 miles away and she wants to be right. more engaged with the community because I as a musician I certainly am very engaged with the community so we must have an interesting relationship she's got a really like straight ahead money earning type job and you yeah. play the accordion and she's following you around the country uh, it, it's gone back and forth we've been together for 13 years and there have been points where I had the steady the steady paycheck and she was like making little sculptures and stuff with sewing machine and that kind of thing so <laughs> we've kind of gone back and forth as to who's the breadwinner so that's pretty cool yeah so you've decided that you come here and you like it here and you're just going to stay here and make it work here somehow yeah yeah we we we've moved quite a bit um in the years before coming here and um i feel really lucky to have found 
a place where I can make a living as a as a musician, as an accordion player. At that, I would think so that would be not pretty hard ma- to find. Not many places in this country or even the world where where that can happen. I think it's pretty cool here. to live in a city where we can support a professional accordion player. You Me know, too. that's that's a that's an amazing thing, actually. Hey, uh, what are you doing on um, on on Wednesday nights? What are we doing on Wednesday nights? Uh, I have a gig. Why don't you go down to the Lost Love Lounge where you can get a massage or a manicure? Ooh. Oh, yeah, that's been discontinued. So. Ah, <laughs> I can't imagine why. But come on Tuesday night for a comedy night. You can come out. We have a comedy night hosted by uh, Cassidy Hanahan. Cool. Yeah, we've had some really good comedians that have been coming through. Nobody believes me about this when I tell <laughs> them. But no one believes me. But we have, like, you know, this one guy. He's, he's from New Orleans, Sean, Sean Patterson. Right, he's making waves now, and but he's, he's really—he's actually, actually pretty big really deal in comedy fun. circles. He's yes. from Slidell originally. He's from Slidell. Have you had him on the show here? No, but I know about him, and he's—he's he's pretty funny. Very funny guy. Oh, yeah, he's, he's played guy. the stage like you know, ten times, twelve times, something like that. You know, yeah. So we get some good people down there. He reminds it's me fun. a bit of that Sam, sort of Sam Kinison style. A little bit, like yeah. Full on, <laughs> yeah. He's full soft. On. yeah. But he's right. actually pretty smart. Uh, oh, he's super smart. How do you book those guys? Cassidy books everything. Yeah. And how much money can a comedian make down at the Lost Love Lounge on a <laughs> like given Tuesday almost, night? Almost nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, it's not that the rate the rate is standard rate, you know, for paying people and, and better. Yeah. And there's an even we we I tossed in an incentivized thing where like if the ring gets up to a certain amount, you get five percent more. Blah blah blah. You know. How many people would you get going down there on a, what night is it? Just on Tuesday f- night. Tuesday nights yeah. at the Lost Love Lounge. It's comedy night. It's comedy night. What yeah. does it cost to get in? Nothing. It's free. It's totally free. Yeah, no it's cover. Free. Yep. And you can laugh all you want. And that also, the free thing is not me. That's, you know, those guys are all like, no, we want it to be a free show. Because yeah. it's really been like one of these things where they, the comedy scene's really kind of taking off in New Orleans. I mean, to whatever extent that can happen. And at some of the other venues, they have, at least it's on a circuit now. I know that, you know, so that like some regional and national touring acts are coming through. And what we kind of serve as is as a, a kind of late night second stop. Right. kind of thing, you know, so if you want to see the really hip show, you know, okay. right. Have you been to the New Movement Theater mm-hmm. on Burgundy Street? Now they're moving to St. Claude. It's, uh, Those guys, that is some I really know what you're funny, talking about, but no, I haven't been there yet. great theater yeah. company. Right. That's some really great comedy. That's local homegrown comedy, and they have a right. theater training school. They train, it's improv. Right, right, exactly. It's really good. I, I advise you to go down there. Have you guys been? I've been a bunch of times, yeah. It's good, eh? They have some yeah. really great shows. I didn't know they're moving. Where are they moving to? They moved to St. Claude, like everything. Somewhere in St. Claude? Somewhere on St. Claude. Okay. I, would, I don't know where. I but saw that they were cleaning out the theater the other day. I was passing by. And that could be it. It's called The New Movement. If you listen to this and you haven't, and you're in New Orleans and you want to go hear some comedy and you haven't struck this place yet, that's awesome. Or take an improv class. Or take an improv class, exactly. You know that the improv guys and the regular guys, they, they don't get along very well. Is that right? There's a whole thing. <laughs> That's going on right really? seed, man. Yeah, there's a whole thing that goes on with that. Is it's, that like a, it's a trip, man. Is that like a six-string banjo player and a four-string banjo? Yeah. Totally. I play oh, yeah. four-string like banjo, that. too. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, no way, man. Yeah, that's You're not allowed. Right, I know. Right, that's, <laughs> that's why I haven't bought a banjo. <laughs> no, there is, there, I don't want to you know, beef it up too much because every now and again we get, some, uh, we get some improv people that come through. But, yeah, they don't really... You know, they don't mesh all the time. The improv people think the stand-up people are bullshit, and the stand-up people think the improv people are bullshit. It's kind of like that, yeah. I think, like, the stand-up people are really proud of the fact that they've done so much writing and effort, you know, and right. time, hours logged in front of the mirror and stuff like that, you know, to try and get the jokes across, and that the improv people have, like, a very basic idea, even though they're getting the laughs. Well, that's know, really so it's like completely different. They're like cover bands or something. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> yeah, right. no, and yet, if trip, you go man. see improv, it's unbelievably difficult. It's like it's like you know acting without a net at all. And sometimes it's just brilliant. I, you cannot believe that you're watching this and it's not a script. I don't think that there's any percentage of hit or miss that's greater than, lesser than, right. in between both subgenres of comedy. You know, it's it's like. You know, a, just a regular a regular written joke stand-up person can bomb just okay. as readily as anybody <laughs> right. else. Right. Okay, so look, we have to get out of here. So I'm just going to wrap this up with Monday night at Siberia for six, Mahala. Six to nine. Six to nine early. You can still be home in time for what's on TV on Mondays. Who even knows that anymore? Who watches TV? I, I that's don't exactly. Watch TV. That's that's going back. And then Tuesday night is comedy night at the Lost Love Lounge. That's right. Mm-hmm. And Ego Jubilee will be in uh, Lafayette tomorrow night. 
Nice. That yeah. might or might not be true. At the Blue Moon. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Eve, anything I can tell people about you? No. <laughs> EveAbrams.com <laughs> is spelled A-B-R-A-M-S.com. And that's it. Andrew, thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. Man. Yeah, can you come back next week and play a song? Yeah. Okay, that would be good. Well, just to wrap up before we go, where were you exactly? Uh, the UK and Spain, mostly. Nice. Ah, nice. Okay. Yeah. Check out Andrew's music at andrewduhon.com. And check out The Moorings. Grammy-nominated record, The Moorings. We lost already. Oh, we can drop it. We, don't, we can't mention that? Yeah, whatever. Whatever you want. You yeah. can't say Grammy-nominated. It makes, sounds us, makes us look real important. Hmm. <laughs> I was just beefing it up in case anyone's still listening. That's right. Anybody out there? Yeah. Okay. Anybody? Hey, thanks for joining us. That was Happy Hour for another week. My guests sitting around the table here today have been Andrew Duhon, Eve Abrams, Jeff DeVille, Boyana, and Matt, and Georgi from Mahala. Nice. A, a, what's the little thing over the A called? Accent. An accent. <laughs> Thank you very much. The producer of our show is Graham DuPonte. Our associate producer and technical director is Chris Kehoe. Christian Unruh is our music director and Joshua Brown is our music coordinator. Mitch Foreman wrote the theme that you're currently listening to him playing. The fabulous audio quality of this show is brought to you in part by Baton Rouge-based Pre-Sonus Audio Electronics. If you'd like to be on our show, you can sit around this table for about an hour and stay upright. Drop us a line. Our address is on our website. Where you can also find out there are many more happy hours to listen to as well as our other shows. Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti live from Commander's Palace. Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pajic. True to the Game with Chris True. Midnight Menu Plus One with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans, Ray Canada. And Louisiana Eats with Poppy Tucker. You can keep up with us on Facebook, Twitter and a bunch of other time-sucking social media as well. And all of it where It's New Orleans. You can find photos from this show and see what we all look like. You can see those on itsneworleans.com and on Facebook and on our Google Plus page. These photos were taken by the fabulous Douglas Engel with the blue t-shirt. If you listen to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Swell, or some other podcast app that you prefer, thank you for subscribing. Stop everything right now and take a moment to rate and review us. Really, please. That does help other people find, especially if you do that on our Google Plus page. That would be awesome. Our show was recorded live today at Wayfair on Ferret Street, home of handcrafted food and spirits where they put fine dining into a sandwich. Happy Hour is a production of I Know Broadcasting for itsneworlders.com for Andrew Duhon, myself, Graham DuPonte, everybody else who's sitting around the table here and back at the office in the INO Broadcasting Tower. I'm Grant Morris. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you back here next week on Happy Hour.